0: Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. And we will turn our attention to the Word of God this morning. We are in a new series about making plans. We started this one last week, and last week we looked at Genesis chapter 13, and we looked at how Abram and his nephew Lot had an issue that they needed to settle. They had came, came back out of the land of Egypt. They were traveling together and they were both having lots of animals and they had a whole large company coming, and there was a dispute amongst their herdsmen. And Lot and Abram did not want to have their relationship damaged. So Abram, Abram looked at Lot and said, Abram, whichever way you go, I'm going to go the opposite way. If you go left, I'll go right if you go right, I'll go left. And they had to make a decision. And We talked about how the Lord had a plan for Abram. And it was interesting at how Abram gave this authority over to Lot. Abram was the patriarch of the family. He had every right to be making the decision here, but he trusted that the Lord had this perfect plan, which obviously the Lord did. And we also touched on Ephesians Two ten and how the Lord has this plan who how we are created in Christ Jesus for good works which the Lord has prepared beforehand so that we may walk in them. Well, this week I want to turn our attention and turn our thought and uh, to the title is called Plans Within. And last Sunday after church, a gentleman came up to me, we were talking about the sermon, and and he mentioned Ephesians chapter 5 to me, and I'm not going to call you out on who this was, but since he mentioned it to me that afternoon, I had to reread Ephesians chapter 5, and what happened is I opened up Ephesians 5, and I read verses 1 and 2, and it says this, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And as I read that, I realized we should probably be preaching on that here today. However, you may not know this, but you cannot start a sermon with when the first verse has the word, therefore. So throw back up uh, 5-1 here, Jacob. It says, Therefore. Well. If you guys have lived or grown up in the church, the common question is, is what is it there for? So you got to kind of figure out and, and answer the question, what is happening here that the author would have to say, therefore? So if you will stand with me, we're going to jump back a chapter, and this is Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to kind of read, we're going to read a lengthy section, so don't straighten up your knees, like, fully tight. You may fall asleep here, you, you, you want to keep your knees slightly bent, just slightly bent during the reading here. It says this in Ephesians 4, 17, the Word of God. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in their futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of hearts. Verse 19. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Verse 23, And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fit, as fits the occasion. That is, may give grace to those who hear. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let's pray. Father, We come to You this morning, Lord. We ask that Your Holy Spirit would be working on our hearts and on our minds as we turn to Your Word. Father, You lead Your children. You love us. You created us. You have a plan for us. Father, we give You all the praise and all the glory this morning. Father, come and speak. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated. throughout scripture the lord dominantly speaks to things that are taking place within our hearts and within our minds and he is usually speaking to the core of who humans are god's word is always getting to the heart of the issue and throughout scripture we will also see how the lord always starts to put people human beings, the the human race, into two different categories. Now, you may not have thought about it in in those terms, but we have those who are his people, and we have those who are not his people. I like to always think they are not his people yet, meaning God's still at work within the hearts of men, and he is drawing men and women to himself at all times. But as you read Scripture, you will see that people are placed into a couple of different categories. And here in verse 17, Ephesians loves to use that language. He says, now that I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Well, who are these Gentiles? Now, if you have been attending Woodland, or any time I usually mention who the Gentiles are. The Gentiles are basically, at the very basis, is that they're non-Jewish people, meaning they're not of Jewish heritage and blood. And you will see that throughout all of Scripture, that there is a difference between the Jewish people and the Gentiles here. But here, Paul is using that word to describe and reference a way how their lives used to be. The book of Ephesians is written to Gentiles. These were Gentiles that came to faith in the Lord. They they were non-Jewish background. And they come to faith. And Paul uses this reference here to a former way of life before they had become followers of Christ. And you will see this word used quite a bit if you read the book of Romans. He mentions that as well a lot. And Paul will use this word Gentile In the sense of these are people who are not just non-Jewish, but these are not God's people. They're not part of God's people. They are not yet coming to faith in Christ. But here, as he speaks to them, he is reminding them, this is who you used to be. Do not walk as the Gentiles walk. Do not walk how you used to be. You used to be a Gentile. And you might be sitting there thinking, Pastor, why would you have to spend all that time explaining that? Because it's important to this context here. And we're going to look at verse 19 because this is who they used to be and who the Gentiles are. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is within them due to their hardness of hearts Verse 19, they have become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. They have hardened hardness of hearts. They are alienated from God. They are callous, dead to feeling without the sense of right or wrong. And because of this, they have given themselves up to all sorts of sensuality and greedy practice of all kinds of impurity. And Paul is using this as a contrast. This is who the Gentiles are. This is also who they used to be. And you see that especially very, very clear in Ephesians chapter 2. He lays that out beautifully. This is who you were. And Paul is challenging them. He says, do not walk as you used to. Do not walk how the Gentiles walk. Verse 20. But that's not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. He's saying, listen, this is not who you are, church. This is who you used to be, but this is not who you are. You are not alienated from God. You are not callous. You do not give yourselves into sinful practices. You have learned Christ. You have heard about him. The gospel has been presented to you. And you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Our old lives, he says. He says, put it off. He says it was corrupt. Its desires were deceitful. And you get this picture here that Paul is doing this contrast from the Gentiles to who God's people are called to be. And you get this picture of like putting on a shirt. Now, I'm going to do that demonstration for you today. I'm joking, church. Come on, you're supposed to be laughing at that one. But you get this image here of take off your old self, put away your old self, and put on your new self, which is in Christ Jesus And you get this image here of simply of there needs to be this change that takes place. And he is talking about putting off the old, putting on the new. And he's saying, now this is who you are. You used to be the Gentiles. You used to be far away from God. And he says, do not walk as the Gentiles walk. Do not walk how you used to walk before you came to faith in Jesus. Verse 23, he says this, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on your new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The work that takes place within a believer's life within somebody who comes to faith in Jesus is the work of the holy spirit the holy spirit comes he convicts this world and he transforms men and women's hearts and minds he comes and he changes us the holy spirit renews us but we get this image here of that Paul challenges us with to take off the old that's who you used to be that's the contrast throughout all of scripture Men who, and women who were not followers of Christ or followers of him, and then the new ones who are created in Christ Jesus. There's this new life that takes place. And as I think about this, and as I think about how we live our lives, how we wake up and how all of us, we live our lives every single day, and we're constantly making plans for our lives But something that has been coming to my mind as I was reading this and as I was thinking about this series here is how often do we make plans for things that are taking place within our lives? And what I mean by that is we make plans all the time in this life, right? We make plans for vacation. We make plans for work. We make plans for what we're doing after church. We make plans on a daily basis all the time we plan things ahead and we live our lives this way but my question and as I was thinking about this is how much time do we plan for things in the inner life have you ever thought about that do you make plans for things that are happening inside of you I'm not talking about the food that you're eating we all make those plans I'm talking about, do we make plans for the inner working that God has been doing in our lives? And do we look at our lives? And do we look a month out, six months out, a year out? And we say, listen, I want my life to be like this in a year. I think about this because I don't know how often we even talk about that. Do we make plans so that our lives become changed? Not just financially changed but inwardly changed. Do we expect and do we plan for God to do a work in our hearts and in our minds? Here in Ephesians, we have a small list that I think is a good starting point for us to be making plans. Verse 25. Therefore, having put off away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of... Of one another God I'm only going to be speaking truth I'm not gonna be lying about anything Lord I'm gonna speak the truth verse 26 be angry and do not sin do not let the Sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil Lord I'm gonna make plans this week to deal with that anger that for whatever reason just comes raging up in, in my life I don't know why, Lord, but I see it come out. I see the sinful side of me. Its head pops up every once in a while. Lord, I'm not going to be angry with my neighbor anymore. His dog pooped on my lawn last week. I'm going to let it go. Or verse 28, let no thief let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone who is in need. I think most of us have jobs. Lord, I'm gonna work. I'm gonna work hard. And when I see a need, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna meet needs. When when people address me and I find out that there are needs and people, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna help. I'm going to share, Lord, because you have given me this. Verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits this occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. When I'm at work, am I going to be speaking life to my coworkers? Am I going to get caught up in the office talk of Tearing down people? Or, Lord, am I going to start making a plan to say, Lord, I'm going to not let any corrupt talk come out of this mouth of mine? Father, I need to make a plan this week for when I go into work because I know how the employees are and I know how easy it is to get caught up with this life. I'm going to be building people up, I'm not going to be negative, Lord. I'm going to make a plan to start speaking life. I'm tired of always being critical of everyone around me. Lord, I'm making a plan for that to be changing within me. Let all bitterness and wrath, verse 31, and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Lord, I'm making a plan to let go of all this bitterness. Lord, I've been, I've been hanging on to stuff for years. I'm still complaining about stuff that took place in 1985. I don't know why I'm still doing that. Lord, I'm going to let go of all this bitterness, all this anger, all this wrath. I'm putting this life away. How long do we want to not be forgiving someone? What's our time frame, church? This is probably one of mankind's biggest issues, is forgiveness. How long are we going to wait until we make a plan to forgive someone? It's a real question. Because I know all of us struggle with it. This is something that has plagued the human race forever somebody has heard us someone has said something to us how long will we go before we say god i'm going to make a plan to actually forgive lord i want to see a work done on the inside of my heart and of my life lord i'm not going to hang on to all this bitterness i'm not i'm not going to be hanging on to all this malice all this slander all this corruption that is sitting within me lord i am going to put on the new self that you have called me to put on and all of these things are within us All of of these sins that the Bible has ever talked about, it always starts within our hearts and within our minds. And we need to be changed. And like I said, we make plans for everything in this life. But can we make plans for this? Can we make plans and say, God, I want to I want to make a plan this week. I want to start thinking about things that are taking place in my heart and in my mind. And Lord, I see them creep up. I see them take place. Sometimes things happen, somebody says something to me, and I see what is within me come boiling up. Lord, you see how impatient I get. You see how angry I get. You see how, how, how upset I get. And my question is, as church, can we start making plans and saying, God, Instead of me just constantly making plans for everything I want to do in this life, Lord, I want to start making plans for things that I see that need to be changed within my heart and within my mind. I love the one that said, Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Lord, help me. Lord, don't let me go to sleep tonight. By being angry, but Lord, let me get on my knees and pray and cry out to you and recognize that you are the God that has forgiven me of all of my sins. And Lord, let me confess my sins to you. And then we get to verse that I wanted to preach on. So that was just a pre sermon today, church, just to let you know that was a little warm up there. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved. Children, I want to just stop right there. We get all of this listing. Paul is challenging them. This is who you used to be. This is your old self. Do not walk as the Gentiles walk. But I want you to, to put on your new self, which is only a work of the Holy Spirit within our lives. And it says, therefore, be imitators of God. That entire list we just, we just got done reading, we want to become imitators of, of God. As who? As beloved children. That's the most amazing part. And, and like I said, God always puts us into two different camps. We either are his people or we're not his people. But here he says, as beloved children. We talked about this several weeks ago, but as a believer in Jesus, you become a child of God. He has created you in Christ Jesus. You become grafted into his family. Adopted is what Romans says. And we become his children. And he says, be imitators of our God. And he says this, and walk in love, in verse 2. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Like I said, we used to walk one way. We used to live a certain way before we came to faith in Christ. We used to not have a clue about morals and about righteousness and about God's standards and about God's word, but now our eyes and ears have been opened because he has opened them for us. But how are we going to walk? Do we walk in love? Do we know that we are loved children? that he has called us. And I share all this because I think we need to start making plans, church, for within us. That we need to start actually thinking about, okay, God, I'm making plans for everything in my life, but why don't I ever stop and just take like a spiritual inventory of what's happening within us? Every year, uh, February 9th, you guys don't even care about that date, but I'm gonna bring it up. Where is my wife? Caitlin, what is February 9th? (laughs) it is true February 9th 2002 is when the Lord revealed his son to me and I placed my faith in him and on February 9th every year I try to on that day take a spiritual inventory of my life I try to and I've done this for be 20 years now yeah 2002 20 22 yeah I can do math right yeah yeah that's 20 But what I tried to do on that day is I tried to pause that day and I tried to think, God, how have you changed me in the last year? Because as I read scripture, sanctification is a process that God is constantly doing within his children's lives. If he loves us, he disciplines us. He is constantly transforming his people. He does not want you to be how you are yesterday. He wants to transform you and make you holy. That is literally... God's plan for his children's lives and on that day I try to take a pause and I try to think back Lord how was I last year Lord what areas of my life do I need to be challenged on Lord help me to see things that I do not see Lord help me to become more righteous this year and every year that listed it continuously grows. It's, it, it never ends. It, it's never like, oh, it's year 20. Oh, this is over. Time to just coast this one out. But I think that it's really important for God's people to actually take time and, and actually think about this. To actually think like, God, like what's actually happening inside of me? Lord, what's actually taking place? I confess you. I believe in you. I'm going to church. I'm part of small groups. I lift up my hands during worship. But Lord, I... I want the innermost parts of my life transformed. And I think that we, church, have to take time and say, God, what plans do you have for me within? So that is my challenge for us today. That's literally the challenge. For us to be thinking and contemplating saying, God, how do you want to transform the inner parts of my life? What things in my life need to be changed? And this is the most amazing part, church, is you can't do it. I don't know if that's a newsflash for you. I'm going to kind of build you up and just like totally let you down. Be like, well, I see all these things. But it's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who dwells within every single believer transforms us, reveals things to us. And I think it's us partnering with the Holy Spirit and saying, God, reveal to my mind the things that need to be changed within my life. And Lord, by your Holy Spirit, start to work on my heart and on my mind. Lord, let me not become calloused towards your Spirit. Lord, soften my heart every single day towards your Spirit and towards your working on my life. Because this is not a work that is man's work. We participate. I completely believe that we participate. We humbly come before our King. But it is His work within our lives. It is His Spirit that transforms us And it's us just simply partnering with us and saying, God, I recognize this anger. Lord, I recognize this bitterness. Lord, I see it come out from time to time. Lord, help me to be speaking life into people. Lord, help me not to become bitter and malice and all these slanderous words, all this entire list, Lord, that I just briefly read here today. But Lord, do a work by your Holy Spirit within our lives. Church family, I want to just simply pray for us this morning. I'm going to invite... The worship team to come back out come back up and i want to pray for us and then i want us to sing and be reminded of how great our king is i'm going to ask for you to stand this morning and i want to pray for us father father you know the plans that we make in this life Father, I I pray, Lord, that this morning, that this week, that this month, that this year, Lord, that we, we, your children, who you love, who you died for, Lord, that we would start to contemplate the things that are taking place within our hearts and within our minds. Lord, reveal to us through your Holy Spirit, and Lord, transform us. Father, we trust you this morning. Father, we thank you that we don't have to to stand here in shame and just a constant level of guilt, Lord, that we can know that we are forgiven through your son Jesus. But Lord, continue to do a work in our lives, Lord. Help us to put off the old self and put on the new self which is created in your son. Father, do a work in our lives. And Father, as we sing this song, Lord, as we sing to you, Lord, transform us and challenge us. Lead us, Father. Father, I ask this now in Jesus' name.